Welcome to The Love Drive. It's a show about sex, love, and everything in between. If it has to do with your heart or your genitals, we're talking about it. It's raw, explicit, and playful. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm Sean Galifianakis, the host of The Love Drive podcast, a show about sexuality, intimacy, and freaky kinky shit. Although I have to be honest with you, I haven't really been delivering on the freaky kinky shit part, but stick around. I'll make sure to dig up some freaky deekies for you. If you listen to last week's show, you'll know that it was mostly about sex magic. Our conversation centered around sexual mysticism, spiritual sexuality, and what it means to be tantric or tantric. While I'm usually pretty skeptical about new age therapies, what I learned last week is that spiritual sexuality is simply another way of connecting. Connecting with our bodies and the bodies of our partners. Connecting with our emotions, our needs, and our desires when it comes to experiencing pleasure. This week's episode is also about connection, but this one is a little different. Today, we're talking about women who experience vaginal pain during intercourse or penetration, how to alleviate it, and how to bring that pleasure connection back into their lives. While doing some research for this episode, I was blown away by how common it is for some women to experience pain during intercourse. One study reports that 10 to 15% of women have experienced some kind of pain during intercourse in the last six months. Another claims that fully one third of women experience pain during sex. Painful penetration can come after having children, from the belief that sex is wrong and shameful, and from early traumatic experiences. But those aren't the only causes. Whether it's vaginismus, vulvodynia, or another condition that prevents someone from enjoying sex, we're going to shed some light on an issue that is fairly common but that women don't talk about much. To make sense of it all, and to find out why it happens and what we can do about it, I've invited Laura Schaefer on the show. Laura is a pelvic floor physical therapist who has been helping women for over eight years diagnose and treat their pelvic pain. Just as importantly, though, she's also been helping women reconnect to that part of their body that has the ability to bring so much joy and pleasure. We talk about what a pelvic floor therapist does and why you should probably see one at some point in your life, what women can do to prevent painful intercourse before it happens, why the mighty Kegel isn't as great as some people make it out to be, and some self-care tips for keeping your vulva happy and moisturized. A note to the men listening. Just because you don't have a vagina doesn't mean this won't apply to you. The fundamentals of the pelvic floor are the same for men and women. And you could learn something here that can be beneficial to the women in your life. And while this episode is mostly about the vagina today, next week's episode will be mostly about the penis. Schwing! Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, Laura. Yes. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Laura Schaefer. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist, and uh, I work in two clinics in Montreal here uh, for the last year. And uh, one is Capino out in the West Island, and the other is Access Med out in Kirkland. I am a mom and work part-time. And uh, really am passionate about women's health and women's issues and and love working uh, with this type of clientele. So how did you get into 
have you become a pelvic floor physical therapist? I didn't even know that existed yeah. as of a couple of weeks ago before I was introduced to you. Yeah, for sure. And and many people don't know that it's out there. Um, and actually, even when I went to and did my master's in physical therapy, I wasn't really exposed to it much. Um, Quebec's a little better here because we've got some good educators that are um, educating the students in school about women's health and pelvic floor. But yeah. where I took my school in Alberta, we really weren't exposed to it. And it wasn't until I started working in orthopedics and hospital that my girlfriend was at a clinic where pelvic floor was being done. So she was talking to me about it and mentioned she was going to take this course because they were short on on physios doing it and they needed another woman at the clinic. And so I got the details from her. We did the course together, which was a very eye-opening experience. We uh, we learned a lot about each other because it's very intimate and everything that you're learning to do with clients, you're, you're practicing on each other. So right. I got exposed to it. Shortly after that, I got pregnant with my first baby, which again is very... Um, near and dear to this area with pregnancy and pelvic mm -hmm. pain and birth preparation and, and just got into it and really realized how much of a difference I could make in women's lives and just in really significant way. How is the, the training intimate? Yeah. So you have to like practice every technique on each other. Okay. So when you're learning in all these courses, you're doing full vaginal assessments, full rectal assessments on whoever's in the course because you're practicing all the techniques. Yeah. So my first exposure to it was, oh, I'm going to go with my girlfriend and and we're sitting beside each other. And it's like, you two go partner, go learn. And it's like, whoa, we didn't know we were going to do this. And of course, just because I had never learned about it before, I thought you'd kind of, you know, work in a textbook, learn about all this stuff. I didn't know I was actually going to be like assessing my girlfriend. Yeah. So it really got uh, interesting quick, but but definitely was my niche. And, and once I started working in the area, I kind of found my passion. So before we go any further, what is the pelvic floor? Because as of a few weeks ago, I had no idea really what it was. Yeah. And and before I continue, I want to mention everything. I, most of the things I speak about are is applicable in women and men. Okay. My passion and specialty is with women. I don't treat men at this point. Sure. But for any of the male listeners, this stuff still applies. Most of most of the things I talk about, um, unless it's specifically about the vagina, is is yeah. very um, common again with men as well. Yeah. So the pelvic floor is three layers of muscle, actually. The, the muscles span from the pubic bone in the front of the pelvis. So yeah. we usually, most of us know where the pubic bone is, all the way to the tailbone, which is called the coccyx at the back. Okay. So, and then they're kind of bordered by, you know, when you sit and you've got those funny bones um, on your bum, the hard bones, that's the, the kind bones. of sits bones. Yeah. Exactly. If you're a yogi or whatever, yeah. <laughs> the sits bones on the side, then the muscles are between there. So it's very, a fine, small area. So the three layers and the outer layer is um, more designed for, for sexual function. So more oh. around the clitoral area and a little bit more external. So towards the surface. Yeah. The second layer is more, it's called the urogenital diaphragm and it's, it's kind of between and it's almost like the trampoline layer that um, is supporting and, and connecting fascially to a lot of the other tissues. Yeah. And then the third layer is the real kind of... Um, more supportive muscular layer. And, and we refer to it most often as what's called a levator group, but it's more a group of a series of muscles that are bigger and provide most of the support. So you have to think the pelvic floor is at the base of the pelvis. So it's providing a lot of supportive function. Okay. It's holding things in and it's its bottom of basically that cavity of your body. Sort of like a hammock. Yeah. 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 And then what is it supporting? What's, what's down there? Yeah. So all those 
very, very important organs that we have, right? So specifically in women, you've got the uterus and you've got the uh, vagina, then you've got the um, rectum, the anus. And then of of course, above all that is your peritoneal cavity with all of your abdominal contents. So you know, it's supporting all of that. So you think any extra weight or pressure in the abdominal area has a huge impact on the base of the pelvis, which is the pelvic floor. So it's having to support all that. Um, why don't we know more about it? Why isn't it more common? Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. I feel there's a really lack of education and a lack of knowledge. And, you know, people should be educated about these things. Um, it should be brought into like uh, a sexual education for for children in schools. We talk yeah. about, you know, safe sex. We talk about the body parts. But why aren't we talking about like with menstruation and women? Why aren't we discussing things that could potentially happen with the with where the pelvic floor is? And, you know, and if you if you start being sexually active, what what might happen um, and things that could your pelvic floor could impact? Yeah. Um, so I think there's just a lack of, of knowledge and education. And um, I think we there is some people out there that have the knowledge, but we just need to share it with each other. And that's what I educate all my clients on. It's most of them come to me going, how did I not know this was here? How did I not know three years ago when I got pregnant or had my first baby or 10 years I've been suffering with this? How did no one refer me? And it it really is just a lack of knowledge and awareness and in amongst many people and other healthcare professionals. Yeah. And so we just need to really try to spread the word. And I tell all my clients, you go back to that gynecologist, you go back to your family doctor and and you talk about your experience and you tell them what helped you. And, and so they know to refer other people. Okay. I could go in so many different directions right now. I'm going to go into one, which is I just spoke to my, yeah. to, uh, to a friend right before this, okay. this interview. And, um, she has had, so one, one of the things that you said that one of your clients has suffered from having some pelvic floor issues, the way one of my friends has suffered is through, is through uh, painful intercourse. Yeah. And she said that she doesn't talk or didn't talk to either her partner or her friends about it, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, she didn't want to talk to her partner about it because it was a male partner and she didn't want him to feel like she, she felt like there was probably nothing that he could do different. And I, I don't know if I agree with that because mm-hmm. I think that with communication, yeah. you, you can get people to, to, um, to alter their behaviors or what it, whatever it is they're doing. But also she said that she didn't share with her friends that, that, um, that she was having painful intercourse and she just yeah. kind of thought it was normal. Yeah. And that's the thing. Women are silently suffering all the time out there. And, and finally, some of them luckily get to see me and we can break through and figure out and sort out the problems. But it's it's really sad. Women are silently suffering. They're embarrassed and, and they don't want to talk about it. And yeah, I think it comes from, again, that lack of awareness. Some of these women might go to um, another healthcare provider and, and ask for advice and they're not really told where to go or that there's help for them. I get yeah. I get that all the time. Uh, women come to me and say, like, I did go to, you know, these three different people. No one knew where to send me. They just said, you know, you have to continue trying. It'll get better. Well, no, Use it doesn't. more lubrication yeah. and whatever. Yeah. And uh, that's not the answer. No, not at all. Not at all, for sure. And again, coming back to you, I mean, it is really communication with the partner. And, and sometimes I treat, I co-treat obviously with a lot of other, you know, psychology, uh, sexual counselors. So sometimes you do need to bring both partners in and they need to figure out things in the relationship with someone like a sexual counselor and then work with me on the other side. And sometimes I do have partners in the room and I teach them how to be active and help. So I think communication is so important. If you're with someone, you need to feel comfortable and communicate and your partner can be a part of helping you recover, especially if you want to continue being with that person. Sure. And um, I can show them how to how to help 
help you and and show them how to help stretch and how to how to do different techniques and and maybe how to try different things to to ease pain. Yeah. So, um yeah, and that happens all the time. It's really sad. Women just I think if other women talked about it, they'd realize how much more common it was. But I think it's just a common problem where people don't they're embarrassed and they don't talk to their friends. But if they actually did, they'll realize how many People do have issues. Yeah. Um, I have been with one person yeah. that said that she has had, uh, she, she always has painful intercourse. And uh, so we talked about maybe giving her like a massage, like a central massage where it would be really slow and there mm -hmm. would be. Uh, sort of like a lot of foreplay because I thought maybe yeah. that would be the answer and it wasn't at all. Like right. it was still, there was still, it was still painful. And so, and this was before I knew anything about this. Right. And so that was like my only idea. Yeah. But turns out that there are treatments yeah. for painful intercourse yeah. or painful insertion of anything. Because sometimes it's not just intercourse. It could be a tampon. It That's could be right. like yep. gyno exams, whatever the yep. speculum or whatever. What are some of the causes of painful intercourse or painful insertion? Um, and then what are some of the potential treatments? Yeah. So causes is a tough one sometimes. Sometimes we don't know where things come about. I, I try to work with patients very intimately to to come up with maybe what, what in the past may have caused the issues. Sometimes it is... Um, it's perceptions and beliefs of how they grew up mm -hmm. and, and about their vaginas, their their body, mm -hmm. um, being told never to touch the area, that it's dirty, uh, that they shouldn't, uh, you know, they're throwing condoms and said like, here, use these if you need to, but you shouldn't ever use those. Right. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, it's like that part of your body is a negative thing. Right. So, and that's really harmful yeah. for some people. That makes them draw away from that area and it makes them feel like it's a bad area and, and it causes some tightness yeah. and, it, and it causes withdrawal. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. It's just, you know, excessive potty training in kids. Again, parents don't really realize it, but you know, punishing your children for having accidents, trying to potty train them really early, very regimented is very harmful on the pelvic floor. And especially if you're not toileting your kids very properly, those can lead into issues later when they mm. become teenagers and try to have intercourse, put a tampon in. It could be, you know, abuse, yeah, being trauma. taken at trauma, taken advantage of where, you know, obviously that leads to, um, you know, very negative it's very, very hard yeah, to deal with, right? Psychological, and then, emotional, and then also a psychosomatic. Thing. Exactly. So um, sometimes it's women that have chronic urinary tract infections or chronic, you know, endometriosis, pain, yeah. painful conditions, yeah. pain in the bladder, and that will lead to conditions in the pelvic floor because of the pain they're always experiencing to tighten. Yeah. And so now they're dealing with I can't, you know, my bladder is painful, but now I can't have intercourse because it's very painful because now the muscles have guarded and tightened up. Right. So there's a lot of different things that can cause it. Yeah. And a lot of things come out when you're treating. P women sometimes don't have any clue sometimes what, what is the cause. Sure. But when I'm working with them, I, we try to really connect and, and try to bring any thoughts to the surface that could be potential causes because that's part of healing. Yeah. It has to come out. And uh, you can't just you work on that area and bypass those past experiences. They have to come out. Right. You, you mentioned about like pain with, with every type of penetration. That's like a condition called vaginismus where yeah. no matter what you, there's there, the muscles and the legs, there's a complete spasm of the muscles and the thighs and the vagina that nothing can penetrate in. Yeah. Tampon, getting an examination, you know, fingers, fingers anything. Yeah. yeah. Any type of penetration. You have other conditions um, around the vagina, uh, one called like a vulvodynia where you get a, a burning around the vulva. So that has nothing to do with the internal structure of the vagina. 
right. but more the outside. Right. A lot of burning. So if someone sits on a bike seat or the outside area is touched or they're trying to do foreplay and it's just stinging and burning and very painful, you know, that can then lead to a, the vaginismus because now you've got all this burning pain on the outside that's causing the vagina to then tighten. Yeah. So that's another kind of condition. Treatment-wise, it's it's a very holistic the way I treat anyways. I mean, I've been working in this area for, for eight years. I probably started out more focused on, you know, here's a client coming in, here's her pelvic floor and what I need to treat. And yeah. I've really branched out now and learned so much in my experience over eight years that I'm holistically treating people. And there's so much more to it than that. You know, from the head to toe, uh, we look at everything, you know, alignment, posture, uh, how they're breathing has a huge impact Yeah. because anybody in pain, if you're breathing a certain way, you can heighten that anxiety response and the fight or flight response. Or so, you can, you can drain it away or release yeah, it by other, other breathing exactly, techniques. Yeah. Using proper breathing. And that is a really good coping strategy for women in pain is learning how to breathe properly and connect with their body. So I work a lot with that. And, and so I'm, in the abdominals a lot. A lot of time there's abdominal pain, a lot of ab abdominal tightness. So a lot of release work there. Yeah. And then when you think down, um, you know, into the pelvis, it's starting where, and the, and the vagina, it's starting with what the client can tolerate. And so some yeah. women, I use a very graduated approach and, and for some it's, it's anxiety provoking to even, you know, slip pants off in the room mm -hmm. to even uh, take a pair of panties off. Right. Yeah. So we just start at what they can do. And, and then we work through coping strategies, what works for them to breathe and to feel comfortable, uh, to then get to the point. And eventually then we start working internally and inserting and working on stretching and releasing the muscles. Yeah. What does that so, look like when you're talking about like insertion and like yeah. working internally? Yeah. So again, it's, it's patient driven. And I think, uh, that's a really important thing. My focus of treatment and any pelvic floor therapist should be using a matter where the client is in complete control. And that's yeah. very important for, for people to understand. So they're, they're in control and I am just trying to uh, insert and usually it's with just fingers and, and, and trying to uh, stretch and work through. And anytime there's an instant of pain, then we stop. Right. So we stop or anytime they say stop, we stop. Yeah. And then we try to uh, connect with that pain, try to work on on some massage, mm -hmm. uh, maybe external, some breathing to try and calm the pain response down. And then we start to go further once they tell me we can. So it's a very graduated step-by-step -step approach. And we're, we're most women with, with vaginal pain and sexual pain disorders have had an experience at some point, whether it was a UTI, trauma, that Assist. something, yeah, something yeah. went to insert and the vagina said no. Yeah. And so we're teaching now the vagina that it's safe and they're in control mm. and, and that we are going to calm that pain response. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So we use a lot of dilators. Um uh, some women are, are a dilator is like a uh, a sort of a dildo looking type shape different thing. Si different sizes, different completely. sizes, kind of going up yeah. eventually. Yeah. So they're definitely not a, a sex toy. They're yeah. meant for stretching um, the intraital, the vag vaginal opening. They're definitely meant for that. Yeah. Um, they're, they graduated <laughs> from very small to bigger. Yeah. And so that's a good home treatment. I give a lot of women to work on. Um, yeah. You know, I, I actually prefer initially them to do some self-release work and connect with their body first, and then we we can work on using dilators. That's another common thing you see is is women that have had pain 
no matter what the cause is with intercourse or with with the vagina is they they tend to withdraw from the area and they don't connect with their body. Yeah. They don't look at it as a pleasure center anymore. It's a pain center. And so we need to reconnect with that area of their body and teach them that touching the area is okay. And, and, and that's hard for a lot of women. Sure. So, but that's a really important part of treatment. I often will start there when, when we can get to that point that they can start doing a little bit of insertion on their own or with their partner and um, trying to stretch. Sometimes it's the actual opening of the vagina that's burning and very, very tight. Yeah. And other times it's inside more that the muscles, the deep muscles in that second and third layer are in spasm and really tight with a lot of trigger points. So then we need to treat inside more. Yeah. So it just depends on what's going on. Yeah, and it sounds like it's something that you have to go slowly with. Very slowly. Um, and it's yes. sort of like when I, I mean, it's sort of like, I'm not saying this is anywhere near as painful, but but when I like foam roll yep. a really tight area, I'm not going to push through a painful area. Right. I'm going to go go close to the limit, stay there. And then if it releases, then I can go. And if it doesn't, then I don't go there. That's right. And I'm assuming that that's sort of how the work, the yep. work goes. Yeah, for sure. And, and every woman is so different. Some progress so fast. Um, you know, it's, they come to me with, without have, having been able to have any type of penetration or pain. And, and within a few sessions, they, they really improve so quickly and others, it just takes a lot longer. And again, it just depends on the situation, but no matter what, it's always in their control. We never push beyond any pain. What we're trying to do is connect with the pain and allow them to feel, connect with their body and, and heal themselves. And again, anxiety, protective reactions, that nervous system heightening, all of that is a huge part of treating vaginal pain. Yeah. And so you're having to treat all that at the same time. Yeah. And which is one of the beautiful things about, about my job and probably why I like it the most is, is and what draws me to, to working in this area is I get to work real time with women in these situations where they tell me, you know, I have pain when this happens. Okay. So now we get to do that and work through it. And it's so great compared to maybe some other types of professionals that can, they can't internally examine, they can only speak about it or, mm. you know, they can, yeah, I, I get one-on-one -on -one time with them to work, to work with the issues in, and them to communicate what they're feeling. I can see, I can touch the muscles, I can work with them in real time, which is, which is a real, uh, benefit and just a, a, a great way to work. Yeah. yeah. You're more so, than just a PT. Well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you have to stay in scope for sure. But again, with this area, it's a very intimate, emotional area. There's a lot of things that come up. And again, anytime there's something that I can't handle, it's referred on to somebody. But but you really develop a very trusting relationship with people as you should. And, you know, they trust you and it's it's a lot comes up and and um, you're you're dealing with a lot of emotions, a lot of yeah. things. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I used to work as a rape crisis counselor. Okay. And you spoke about control. Yeah. And one of the things with with survivors is is slowly helping them figure out how they can take back control in their yeah. lives. And the, one of the things that I thought about when, when you said that the client has to be in, in total control at all times, that also translates to when they're having sex with their partner mm -hmm. and allowing them to be in control at all times. And that was the thing that I was talking to my friend about. She said, you know, I don't think there was anything that my partner could have done differently. And I thought, oh, maybe... Maybe you could have uh, controlled the depth mm -hmm. of insertion if, if you guys were doing intercourse, or you can control tempo, or you could talk about different ways of being with, you know, with the partner that would maybe, A, bring you, bring you some control and B, you know, bring less pain. 
Yeah, for sure. I think if you have a stable partner that's working with you and alongside your condition, then I think it's really important the communication is there. I, I do. I see a lot of women that I, I ask that a lot. You know, do you, do you speak to your partner that that hurts when when that's happening? And it's like, well, no, I, I'm, I don't want to say anything or I'm embarrassed. It's like, you have to. We have yeah. to. You have to open those lines of communication. Yeah. And uh, it's not healing that way. Yeah. You know, you're just dissociating and, and you're not you need to be connected. So, uh, and that's, that's often where like a sexual counselor really is helpful to just bring that partner in and talk about those things. Or if it's just a matter of, of trying some techniques, then I can, I can help educate in that way too. But it's really important. Two things. One, what are some techniques that you're talking about Mm -hmm. that might, that might be beneficial? Yeah. So I guess it just depends on the person. A lot of women do if it's a woman that has a lot of muscle spasms and tightness internally, doing more foreplay and relaxation prior to uh, intercourse or, or sexual penet- or penetration mm-hmm. vaginally is, is helpful because they need that calming. And so their partner needs to know that coming at, at them quickly for a spontaneous event is not going to go well for someone like that. So, so yeah, a lot of foreplay, a lot of relaxation, timing, and just taking your time. Mm. Yeah. And again, allowing the woman to communicate and be in a little bit of control because she, at that point, we're, we're hoping she knows her body and what position works best for her. Usually depending on the, on the, you know, patient symptoms, but a woman, like a sideline position or a woman on top allows her to have a little bit more control. Sure. So those positions sometimes are a little bit more beneficial for, for painful situations. Yeah. You know, another a technique is, is, is engaging the partner in doing some of the stretching prior. You know, it's a bonding experience. And, and again, it just depends on the, on the relationship. Some are like, no, because that's inflicting like a little bit of pain and, and hurts and I don't want, they don't like that. And, and for some, it's, it's really just using that once they're at the point where they're trying to, you know, accept penetration is is working slowly and knowing that the partner, you may try and it may not work that time. And then you try again and you may get a little bit more, but you try again and that you really need to. So it's working through those techniques of gradually trying to insert yeah. and allowing the lady a lot of time to to work on those coping mechanisms, to connect with that pain, to release, to breathe. She needs that time. Yeah. Um, so you're working through that as a partnership. Yeah. And uh, and for some, it's post-pain. Some have a lot of post-intercourse pain. It may not be during, but after. Obviously, the muscles get very stimulated yeah. during intercourse. Sure. And, and with an orgasm, there's a huge surge of, of contraction. And follow that by, once you have that, that release, you get that full body like, ah, and everything kind of lets go. Mm-hmm. So for people with pain and tightness in those muscles, they often, after that kind of climax happens, they'll get that calm relaxation for a few minutes and then the muscles start to rebuild and tighten again. So for them, they need a lot of care after. And so it's a lot of you know heat, uh, stretching, and it may not just be stretching uh, vaginally, it's more like hip stretching, hip yep. opening, yep. Pigeon you know, poses. massage, pigeon, child's pose, bath, well, yes, I like breathing. All those. I like that. All sounds great. I yeah. want to do that after sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can all benefit from that, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, and it's hard though. It's like you need the time, and that's yep. where you really have to have that communication. 
of can you can you find time? Not yep. only, I mean, you know, if we're talking about people that have been together for a while, there's the stresses of work, there's yep. the stresses of life, children. Oh, for sure. So then you have to carve out time for sex and then carve yeah. out time for aftercare or or pre-care. Yeah. It's 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 tough. a lot. It's a lot, but it's a commitment and and it's gonna benefit in the end, you know? And I think that's where um you have to view, I think sometimes intercourse or sex or or that part of a relationship is viewed as almost a chore. It yeah. has to be done or it should be, which it really shouldn't, you know, yeah. it, and you need to get back to the pleasure part of it. And so I try to work with women a lot on that too and self-care and trying to learn about their body and self-pleasure. Maybe they've never even done that before. Oh, I, I mean, like that's absolutely, I've met women that just, they, they don't masturbate no, or it's just never even been, looked at it, never looked at it, never nope. talked about it. Didn't think it was something that would be interesting. Yeah. Turns out. Yeah. It is pretty interesting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had a friend, uh, you know, in the last year that I, I sort of introduced her to her G-spot. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and then I recently just got a message saying, Woo. Yeah. Thank <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> she goes, I'm very, very grateful. You yeah. know, like it was just not, it just wasn't something that she had explored before. And so, you know, I suggested mm-hmm. getting a dildo that had the right curve and, mm-hmm. and like some G-spot simulator and to like go for it. Yeah. And turns out it took a few sessions, you know, like yeah. she didn't just get it on the first try, but she, she persisted and then, uh, then, yeah. then woohoo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the case for many people. It's exciting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's what I'm there for too. I'm, I'm there to like to help with the pain in these conditions, but also, also teach them about their body and to get back to, to the pleasure and, and, being comfortable with themselves. That's awesome. There's a really good book out there. It's called I'll Show You Mine. Have you seen that one? No, but I want no, it. No, I'll show you mine if you show me yours, something like that. Is it anyway. A kid's book? No, it's an adult book, <laughs> but it's all about it's for women, but it's it's all different. That's never stopped me from reading. <laughs> no, that's right. It's great though, uh, for especially for women that are so uh self-conscious. Um, it's all different vulvas and vaginas. Uh well, that's a th- that's a thing. Yeah. People well, women are, don't realize that. People are very self-conscious about their vulvas. Yeah, very. Why? Because the because of because of pornography, one. Yeah, I think I so. Think. I, I mean, agree. They, they they we're looking at these like, yeah. you know, perfect examples, perfect quote unquote of what of what they think a vulva should look like, they being the porn mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. And and we can't live up to that. No one can live up to a to a porn star or to you know, something that you see in, in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that, you're right. I think partially that's what it is. Uh, the other thing is that we don't know. I mean, that's why a book like this is perfect yeah. is because it shows you all of the different kinds of vulvas. And as a woman, if you're not dating women, yeah. then where are you going to get, that's where are right. you going to see all these different vulvas? Yeah, that's right. Totally. I mean, as a man, I get to see different vulvas. Yeah. I know what they look like. Right. Yeah. But, but otherwise... I mean, yeah. I don't get to see that many peni- different penises other than in porn. Yeah. And, and I think pen- there's more varieties in, in penises in porn than there there are vulvas. Yeah, I would in- think so. There's kind of a standard look you see. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think that's why. That's yeah. one reason. Yeah. So this book is great. It's showing you, yeah, even sometimes when I start out with women, you know, they'll say like, oh, just so you know, this is like this, or I have, you know you know, my labia are really large or, oh, I haven't had time to like, you know, how to wax or anything. I'm oh, like, right. oh, it's fine. Like, so they'll, they'll, they'll give you a disclaimer sometimes, before, before taking sometimes. their underwear off. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. And again, like that's first visit. And, and usually we've tried to establish 
a very trusting relationship. Some women are just open and they just like to say things like that. But I just say like, oh, don't worry. You know, yeah. they're and, – and they just don't know. The so this book is – Totally. And this book is great. It shows, you know, there's some that are like – untrimmed lots of of pubic hair there's some that aren't totally nothing there's uh asymmetry it's very normal most women have very asymmetrical labia yeah. one longer than the other one shorter some women have very very tiny ones some are very big yeah there's it's normal i mean to have a mole here and there a lump here and there like yeah. different, different especially colors yes totally <laughs> and so yeah women are so embarrassed and and self-confident conscious about it but that so that's where if you're one of those women definitely check out that book it's well, great you know labiaplasty is a huge thing oh i know yeah I'm injections to, colors i'm trying to get a, a surgeon on here to talk to me about oh, it because, wow, because yeah. i think he would have uh yeah be interesting a lot of insights on why people want to get labiaplasty yeah. but it, it's apparently i don't know i don't know the exact figure but it's a it's one of the most common uh, elective surgeries for women mm, nowadays yeah. is to just get uh, labia trim. Yeah. So trim. they look more like a porn star. Yeah. Or even injections, like some have got color for color. Like they'll... Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. I had one. And again, I don't know enough about it, but but just to uh, plump and, and get uh, oh. yeah, uh, more color. I know. Yeah. yeah. More color. Yeah. More redness and... Maybe a little exercise. You can get some color, you know, and you well, go running, you get flushed. You do. You do. <laughs> and that's true. Blood flow. Yeah. Blood flow. Yeah. Um, so one thing that you talked about was uh, that, you know, one of the answers sometimes for painful intercourse is more foreplay. Yeah. Have you heard of the book of, of Vagina by Naomi Wolf? Vagina by Naomi Wolf. Hmm. Came out in like know. 2012. Okay. She, she, the, she did a lot of research on uh, the, the arousal states yeah. of women and how how it just takes longer for women to get aroused. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just a fact. Yeah. And that there are several states that the woman needs to get into in order to reach a state of arousal. Mm -hmm. And men just, we just don't have that. Yeah. It's not, men are like, uh, she describes men, men's arousal systems as being sort of like uh, Manhattan. There's uptown, there's midtown, there's downtown. And it's very basic. And mm -hmm. every man pretty much is wired the same way. Yeah. Do this, you'll get you'll get this response. Women's arousal systems are more like San Paulo, Brazil during Mardi Gras or, oh car, or Carnival. So yeah. it's just like there's dead end streets everywhere. There's loop-de-loops. Right. Everything is connected, including the brain-vagina connection, which men have less of. Yeah. And she talks about the states that women need to be in in order to reach arousal. And it's it's more complex mm -hmm. than men. And it includes feeling safe enough to be able to, to for penetration to even happen and let alone orgasm to happen, just yep. penetration. Yeah. And so that, and I, she, you know, she states that there's lighting, there's music, there's, mm -hmm time, knowing that there aren't any time constraints. Mm -hmm. There's feeling safe with your partner and knowing that you can be fully present and, you know, communicate what you need to communicate. And I feel like a lot of those things are often missing yeah. when, when intercourse happens nowadays, because we're not taught this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I didn't, yeah. I, I had to read this book to figure it all out. You know, yeah. I had ideas, but I never, I never sort of knew that it was a, that it's just a more complex situation. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think there's people out there that would argue differently, but I think it's been studied and 
you know, I just did a course last year about sexual counseling and, and she talked a lot about the difference between men and women. And again, it's a general statement, but yeah. a lot of, of women need to feel a little bit of, of pleasure first in whatever way it is emotionally, uh, physically in order to then feel the desire and to, to start getting in the mood or, or to engage in more intimacy and, and intercourse. Whereas yeah. a man, it desires it first. He doesn't need like that pleasure center first. Oh, yeah. You know, the desire's there and then... And and the, the pleasure will come. Yeah. The arousal will come after yeah. the desire. Yeah, so women just need a little bit of pleasure first in, in whatever way it is. You know, maybe it is a little bit more emotional. Maybe it's more physical touch. Maybe it's more the safety, the... Yeah, there's just... Again, that's a very complex, definitely not my my specialty, but yeah. to, to kind of talk about what you mentioned, yeah, I would... I would... I see that a lot. I would agree. You know, when I said two things earlier, one yeah. of them was, uh, you know, what are the things, what are things that we can do, and then the other one is, what, why don't, why don't we talk about it more? We're just not taught to talk about sex. No. And I think that the longer you are with somebody, the harder if you if you didn't start the relationship by talking about sex, either while having it or after having it the longer you're with that person without talking mm -hmm. about it, it becomes more difficult to bring up. Mm -hmm. It's just, sure. it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. Yeah. Um, so how do you counsel your clients on how to start bringing it up if they don't have any experience with it? Yeah, I guess that's where if it's a really difficult, complex situation, I'll refer them to get into some kind of counseling, sexual counselor to talk about things because then they can get things out in the open. Other times I just try to reinforce that it's normal, like you want to try to communicate with your partner and you need to. Uh, so I just try to educate them, right? Education's huge. Sometimes they just don't have the education to know like, oh, I'm supposed to like that. I should be doing that. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. You know, there's a lot of different dynamics in relationships that women just somehow are taught and they feel like as they go on and on that that's normal. You know, I ha I've had couples where it's normal that one couple always has a climax or an orgasm first and then the other couple. And so that sounds pretty common to me. Yeah. You think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you, you, you get, you fall into a pattern maybe. Maybe, maybe. But again, like I get these women that say I'm so sensitive and I've got pain. Well, it's like, if you are the one that's climaxed first, no wonder why you're sensitive. And then you're getting vaginal penetration on top oh, of that. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Right. So it's yeah. like, but to them, to these people, that's totally normal. Like that. I didn't know it was supposed to be any different. So it's just providing some education and some options. And maybe that is a choice that that partner and, and them decide that that's what they want to continue. That's what they like. But when it's leading to some pain and some sensitivity and burning, then we need to think about, okay, we need to educate and provide information of different options. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Because so, I counsel men in in this whole concept of she comes first. Okay. Because often once a man comes, right. it's pretty much over. Right. Just in terms of like arousal. Yeah. Arousal yeah. desire goes out the window and now it's pastrami sandwich time. Right. So, <laughs> so <but laughs> instead of just having one partner orgasm, if orgasm is possible for, yeah. for, the, for, the, for the woman... Then you know maybe she comes first, then you come. But that can actually lead to that could be an, one reason for yeah. for maybe painful intercourse if that's sure. if that's always how it goes. Yeah, if there's sensitivity and burning. I mean, most of the times after you've had some type of a climax, your muscles are kind of overstimulated and yeah. don't want to be touched anymore. Usually, yeah. depending yeah. on the person. Yeah. For some, really sensitive. So for others, they want more. For others, they're okay. Yeah. yeah. So it just depends on the person. But again, just being mindful of that and communicating and 
something to think about, just providing options, education. So I think that's a huge part of it. And just trying to open, encouraging most of the time, obviously I'm seeing women, but I'm trying to encourage them to open the lines of communication with their partner. And if there isn't an open line of communication and they don't feel comfortable, then they need to, that's where they need to seek out some help to bring some, some communication into the relationship yeah. with somebody else. Um, the clients that you see, mm-hmm. uh, what, what age range yeah. are you, are you working with or who could benefit from? Yeah. All ages really. Yeah. Totally all ages. Uh, I don't specialize myself in pediatrics. Uh, there is some pelvic floor physios that do pediatrics like babies and yeah. constipation and yeah. potty training. Um, you know, I'll, I'll provide a little bit of education, but it's definitely not my specialty, but yeah. I work more like teenage and all the way up into as whatever, you know, I've had clients 85, 90. Yeah. So and, and I think that's a huge myth in this area. And I get a lot of women saying that to me, like, oh my gosh, I thought I thought I would only, women only had issues after they had babies or when they got pregnant. Right. Or I thought women could only have issues once they started having sex. So I think we need to do a better job of providing that education to, to our teenagers that are trying to insert tampons and they don't come out. They're too tight. Yeah. You know, they're having troubles or they try to start being sexually active and it's it it isn't working. Yeah. Instead of just trying harder. Right. Or it'll come. Yeah. No. Um, It might not. It might not. Yeah, that's right. And the more you force and try, then that could be leading to some of that same, now you have a negative experience of pain with it. Yeah. And it's going to lead to more pain in the future. So that's where right away uh, we need to get those women in to be seen, to give the education. Yeah. And um, to work right away. So it's all ages. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah. the quicker you diagnose yeah. anything, the easier often it is to treat. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned postpartum. Yeah, I feel like that's maybe a place where there there can be a lot of pain. How can having a child affect pelvic pain? Yeah, so some women experience a lot of pain with pregnancy, and then it leads into post-pregnancy pain. Yeah, some women have very hard traumatic births where they have a lot of tearing into the perineum, sometimes from the vagina all the way to the anal area. Yeah, and so after they're stitched up, uh, they have time. They have, and that's not the case for for listeners out there that are worried about that. That doesn't happen to everybody, but sometimes there is need to be stitches, and so sometimes yeah. when those scars heal. They heal very raised up and they're painful. Yeah. There is places in the world where women that give birth are automatically sent to a pelvic floor physio. Uh, where? Yeah. So in Europe, France. Yeah. Yeah. France has we a tried- good, great postpartum care yeah. system yeah, for so women. Yeah. So it's automatic. And even if it's just one assessment to just make sure everything's okay, then you're on the clear, you're good. But but that's where you catch those women. And I get them coming to me eight months postpartum and they're like, I can't even sit. My doctor wants to recut the area. It's so tight. And it's like if we just at eight weeks would have started working on the scar and trying to mobilize it, it's just like any mm-hmm. other scar. Yep. You do some laser and, and massage on it, yep. stretch the scar, break up, some of the break up the tissue to prevent it from getting super painful. So that causes a lot of issues for women postpartum is the scars alone and just the lack of education they're given on how to care for that. Yeah. And some women are lucky. Their bodies don't heal raised, you know, tight scars, some. Right. And the way that, you know, things were repaired and then the way their body heals is they are the lucky ones that get that yeah. tight pain, you know, and, and we just need to get on it right away. And it can really come a long way in a few treatment. Yeah. It's just the longer it sits, the, the, the harder it is. And that's the same with C-sections. Yeah. So, 
uh, I think another common thing women assume is after you've given birth, especially uh, vaginally, is like, oh, well, now my muscles are going to be so weak and open, right? A baby came out. Yeah. But actually, and with C-sections, many women post-birth are tight. It doesn't mean they're strong, but their muscles are tight mm -hmm. because they've just gone through a, a somewhat painful experience. Yeah, some trauma, local and some trauma. trauma. Mm. And so the body's natural response is to tighten yeah. and to protect. Protect, yeah. Yeah, and pregnancy too. The muscles are trying to hang on to all that pressure. That's that's a huge thing after is women's try to, to have sex and maybe usually the first time, you know, will feel a little bit different because you've never had intercourse after having a baby yeah. uh, or being pregnant. But after that eight week, 10 week and trying a few times, it should get better. Sure. And if it's not, it could be the scar. It could be the tightness of the muscles. Yeah. Your body's responded to that event and now the muscles have guarded and tightened. And in like we were talking before. So we have to go through that same process of, of stretching and learning how to relax. Women have a ton of trouble with that. Relaxation of the pelvic floor is more important than the contraction. How do you relax your pelvic floor? So, uh, yeah, that's a good question. It's like you need to open. So when you think of the pelvic floor, when I'm thinking women, yeah. letting the vagina open and release, yeah. okay, and kind of drop down or letting the uh, rectum and the anal area sort of sort of soften, yeah. okay, is how yeah. you kind of let go. Yeah. It's that feeling right before you pee. And, and that would be the same feeling for anyone. Yeah, if you clench, you're not peeing. Yeah. Not and so gonna if, happen. If you connect in, when you go to the bathroom, you'll have that moment of like, <sighs> right before you go. That's the pelvic floor going and letting go so that you can then pee. Yeah. So that's the feeling of kind of that release of the muscle. Never do your exercises with peeing. So hopefully nobody takes that. That's not a good thing to do, but just that feeling. Wait, so, isn't that, that's a thing though. People say oh, like. Yeah, it's awful though. Wait. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> it's like your brain, your, everything's connected by a reflex properly in your body. And what yeah. you've done then is you've, your body sent you a signal to go to the bathroom. You've gone to the bathroom, sat, your pelvic floor is relaxed. You've started peeing and, now and you're then you're going to contract and clench and you're throwing everything off. So you just don't want to do that. Just pee. Just go. Do yeah. your, do your exercises after, after or yeah, before. That's right. But just connect <laughs> with the feeling. If you're wondering what it feels like to relax, connect with that feeling of, of, of the opening and that sensation of what it's like to go pee. Yeah. Right before you pee, that's when your pelvic floor is kind of let go. Okay. So sometimes for people, just doing a small contraction, which which some refer to, you, you hear the term Kegel, yeah. or doing a pelvic floor exercise, doing a small contraction of the muscle, yeah. and then letting that contraction go, that gives you feedback of what letting go and the and the relaxation should feel like. Sure. But the relaxation is is very important, and you need to have elasticity and extensibility in the muscle before you can retrain it to do what you want it to do. So, what does retraining look like? Yeah, so retraining is is getting the muscle just like you do anything at the gym—a full squat, a bicep curl. You wouldn't grab a, a weight in your arm and do a quarter of a bicep curl where you you go in just half the range and tr and train your muscle. You know, you wouldn't right. just start up here and then just bring your bring your arm up, you would, you would do the full length yeah. and then contract in. Yeah. So the same thing with your pelvic floor, you need that full relaxation and opening of the muscle so that it's got the full uh, engagement to contract. That's where release comes in. That's where release comes in. Yeah. And, and, and that's where women feel the answer to everything is this Kegel, you know, to do your pelvic floor strengthening. You gave birth, you've got issues with pain or tightness. You more need to curls. do Kegels more. Exactly. <laughs> and no, no, they are often will car cause more harm than good. And most women actually need the release. 
Uh, they like need going to learn to let go. If yeah. you haven't done anything before and you're tight and yeah. you've never stretched in your life and getting in the squat rack and trying to squat two, 225. Right. Yeah. You should get, you should limber up first yes. and make sure you have the full range of motion yes. and make sure you're not going to get hurt yeah. before you start throwing exercises at for it. For sure. Yes. Similar. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think that's a, a very common thing. Women expect to get all these strengthening exercises in their in their muscles, but it's like actually no, you need to learn to let them go first and and release them through various techniques that we work with, whether it's visual techniques, manual techniques, and then we can strengthen. And strengthening involves more than just, you know, lifting and holding. There's a lot of you can strengthen each of the layers of the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So the outer layer again would provide more stimulation around the clitoris and and more heightened sensation during um, an orgasm if, if that area is being penetrated. Yeah. And then the second and third layers are around the sphincters, you know, the urethra, the vaginal opening, the rectum, and then that supportive layer. So you're training those layers and you're training them for various things. It's just like the gym as well, which is crazy to think, but that area needs to be trained in speed, strength, right. endurance, coordination. Yeah. I love it. Everything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But those muscle fibers, you've got like, you have endurance muscle fibers down there and you've got kind of like your sprinting muscles, just like other areas of your body. Is that so your you, fast twitch? Yeah, and fast your- and slow. Exactly. <laughs> so you need to retrain both and you also need to coordinate the muscle. You need to work on coordination so that you can good, have good control. Yeah. And that, that that's control of contracting, relaxing, yep. being able to relax before you get into a situation where you might have some muscle spasms or, yep. you know, yep. potentially painful situation if you can learn to relax yep and connect being coordinated allows you to connect with the body when you're better coordinated you can feel the connection you know what to do when you you know lift the muscles a little bit and let them go lift them a bit more let them go you have more control yeah you're building those connections to that from the brain to the pelvic floor yeah i mean i'm thinking about that and Mm -hmm. i'm and i'm like trying to contract and relax and it's not obvious yeah i mean i i i I go to the gym, I do a lot of squats and, and I, and I do a lot of core stuff so I could, I, you know, I have a connection, but yeah. it's not, it's not an amazing connection. No. And, and I, and I like am, am mindful and do yoga. So I can only imagine that if you don't do any of that, yeah. it's, it's, it can be really hard to have a connection with that part yeah, of your body. Yeah, really difficult. Yeah, for sure. And again, sometimes we don't even think about needing to have that connection until we start to experience dysfunction. Yeah. Right. Then women go like, now I'm in pain. Oh my gosh, it's been, I was fine for 20 years. Now I'm in pain or now I'm pregnant and I feel it, or I just gave birth and, or I've, when going through menopause and things are dry and 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 my tissues are shrinking and now now what? Yeah, you know? I mean I don't do anything unless I'm in pain. Right, I'm not changing a thing unless I'm in, I'm in pain. pain. Yeah, because because I'm lazy. Yeah, and because I don't know like that there's many. a that there's a problem. Right, I mean the pa- pain. What's interesting? Uh, I just went to see an osteopath uh, for uh, wrist pain. Oh yeah, and he said, you know, the pain that you're experiencing isn't necessarily what's actually wrong with your wrist. It's your body that's put a gate there mm-hmm. that says, I don't exactly know what's happening, but if you go past this, something's wonky. So we're going to put an electric gate mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Anytime we go there, I'm going to give you a little sign that there's something wrong. Yeah. You've looked at my wrist like four times now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't help it. Professionally, <laughs> professionally, you can't help it. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I feel like Sometimes there's pain, right, mm-hmm. in the in the pelvic area, and that might not be exactly what's wrong. That's just it's a protect. It's like you totally. said, protection. It's yes. a it's a gate, it's yes. an electric gate saying, if you go past this, 
there's something there. Yep. There was an event that happened and sometimes we can't trace it. And sometimes with working through treatment, it comes up. And sometimes women are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that that's what it was, but that's it. And they kind of have a breakthrough, but sometimes it doesn't matter. But yeah, it's it's something has caused, especially with uh, sexual pain disorders, something at some point, whether it was an insertion of a tampon, a bad gynecological exam, being forced too much, you know, sometimes it's just that one event and it's a memory of the body where there was a little bit of damage or a little bit of, of pain. And now every time that same event goes to happen, whether it's it's fingers or 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 intercourse, the body does that same response. And so it's a lot of a lot of education. And I'm teaching I'm teaching the the women that what we're doing isn't causing any tissue damage. Your body's protecting yeah. in, in a lot of cases. So when we're trying to insert, you're feeling that pain. The pain's real. It's always real. The pain is there. There's no damage being done. But the tissues aren't being damaged. Yeah. Your your nervous system and and especially in chronic pain, that nervous system is is sending you a signal like your wrist. Yeah. Where something's like, don't do it. Something happens and caused pain there f- times ago. Now I'm gonna shut off and not let you go there. Yeah. And and so that's where it's all. It's a very holistic approach to retrain. It's it's working through that anxiety, working through those thoughts and beliefs. It's working through those protective mechanisms. And and again, connection is huge. You know, I have women sometimes like whatever, just touch the muscle, stretch it out. I'm just like, no, do it. no, that's, that's not, not that's not, that's not my approach. It's not going to happen. There may be people out there that do that, but not me, because that's not going to help you. I need you to connect and you tell me to stop when it hurts, but but you need to connect and feel the pain. Tell me what you're feeling and we push with what you are in control. Yeah. It's very important. That sounds like an amazing strategy. Yeah. What can folks do at home? Okay, two things. What can folks do at home to release and strengthen the pelvic floor? Okay. And then and then uh, how do you know if you should go and get a consultation? So again, I think the key step there is if you feel like there's some kind of dysfunction, whether you're like incontinent, you feel heaviness in the vagina, you're having pain, I would definitely step one, go see somebody because you don't know at that point if the incontinence is caused from a weakness and a looseness of the pelvic floor or a tightness. And so just doing a whole bunch of exercises could actually do more harm. If you're self-treating at home going, oh my gosh, I'm incontinent when I run, you know, I'm a runner and now I'm incontinent. Which means what, you pee when you run? Yeah, you're leaking urine when you're running and they, and most people would tend to think, oh, my muscles must be weak. I got to strengthen, but sometimes it can be just, they're too tight. So it's like a tight muscle doesn't function either. Yeah. If you sit at your desk all day and have your ears up to, or your shoulders up to your ears, it doesn't mean those muscles get strong. Yeah. Yeah. They just get tight. <laughs> so yeah. And, um, so I think step one, if you know, you have some kind of symptoms or dysfunction, you need to be seen. It's very important. So that could be pain. That could be incontinence. Yeah, that could be heaviness. Heaviness. I mean, those are the main things that yeah. you'd, yeah. Incontinence, um, of the, of the urine, it can be issues with constipation and the bowel issues. Okay. You know, um, you're in yoga class and you can't control gas. You feel like there's a lot of air entering can be an, an indication of having very low tone, very low and, and weak muscles, kind of hanging muscles, you know, oh, that aren't. There's a difference between low tone and high tone. Yeah, there is. Yeah. 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 That's a confusing thing for people. But in general, low tone is something that's kind of like open, you know, open and doesn't have very good tightness to it, you know, very good elasticity, let's say. That might need strengthening. Yeah. That would be a case where more you need the strengthening. And then, and then the, the high tone is a case where there's a lot of like restriction in the muscle, a lot of, 
a lot of tightness. So there is a difference. Yeah. That might need some release. That would likely need more release work. Exactly. You got it. I got so it. <laughs> at home, I mean, that's where it's difficult. I hate saying like, okay, do this, do that. But at home with release work, um, depending on the person, I do a lot of positional stuff. Yeah. So we do a lot of different yoga postures like child's pose, forward bending, using blocks and doing some pelvic tilting to release certain structures in the pelvic floor. Does that make sense? I love that stuff. Yeah. So it's really good. So we do a lot of that and, or I do, and then ball rolling, myofascial ball rolling. So into the pelvic floor, which again, a lot of people are like, what? I can do that? Basically sitting on a ball, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You never roll over top of any bony structures like the tailbone or the pubic bone or your sits bones, but inside that part. And again, not on the vagina or the anus, but inside there, that small window is where you can roll to bring some release. Exactly. And then, yeah, nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And around the sides, but you can, you can do some ball rolling and that brings awareness, blood flow, and also helps with release. Yeah. So I, uh, and then breath work and that's very important. Uh, you know, there's sort of four components uh, that really function together in the core and the pelvic floor. One is the diaphragm. The other is the pelvic floor. And then you've got your inner transverse abdominus, which is your inner abdominal muscle. Yeah. And then you've also got an inner muscle, kind of a deep muscle in the low back. Those four things to kind of have good stability and control in that pelvic section all need to work together. And so the diaphragm is really important. So I do a lot of breath work for releasing for sure. Yeah. So every time I teach ladies to like inhale with the diaphragm and into the belly a little bit, they have to open and release the pelvic floor. Mm. And when you breathe out is when the pelvic floor if they're at the point of needing some strengthening, when you exhale is when the pelvic floor should be contracting. Right. And that's a thing that is opposite for many. Many women will breathe in and that's when they draw the pelvic floor up. They're used to sucking in and holding everything in all the time. Yeah. And that just leads to more dysfunction and tightness and, and pressure buildup. And so you have to retrain those patterns. So with releasing, we do a lot of, of breath work to connect with the pelvic floor. Yeah. Really important. And then again, release work could be uh, stretching manually with your own fingers in the bathtub, in your in your room, could be partner work. Yeah. It could be using things like a dilator to stretch and work on insertion into the opening to yeah. control the pain. Yeah. And it could be actually fully inserting the dilator and working down into some of the muscles that have trigger points. Yeah. Just like you have trigger points in your in your shoulders, your arms, uh, your back, same thing. Yeah, because you have, it's, it's muscles. That's right. And so you just got to find, and... yeah. So I show them for some internally that have them, I show them where those points are and they use those structures to uh, to stretch and, and work on releasing those trigger points. And then for strengthening, typically, obviously, if I know somebody's fully relaxing, and their issue is a, is an issue of needing to build strength. Then we work on pelvic floor exercises, as we discussed before, speed, strength, coordination, <laughs> and then we vary position. So yeah. at first, the easiest thing is to lay down and do them. And then you start to change positions, sitting on your hands and knees, standing, walking, oh, interesting. and sort of, and then you incorporate more functionally. So I get women doing more, more functional core exercise and incorporating those other dimensions, the diaphragm. Yeah. The TA, the lower abdominal muscles and the pelvic floor and the back, we incorporate them into retraining the pelvic floor so that it becomes kind of a natural thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're, you're 
so yeah, when they get to a point where we can start building them all in, we're doing things like um, bird dogs. If you've heard of bird dogs on your hands and knees, a dead bug, you lay on your back and kind of reach. <laughs> I hate all of I those. I hate all those. Um, <laughs> and, and then I work into more standing, like squatting exercises, lunging, and then we can do more high impact, like jumping with the pelvic floor to like work on the muscle control. So you kind of progress through depending on where the lady needs, but that's strength to build more strength. It's more complex than just like sitting and doing a squeeze of your muscle. Yeah. Then, oh, just do Kegels. Yeah. Kegels will answer yeah. is the answer. Right. So Kegels is not, is part of a solution if it's the right treatment for your condition. Right. And a Kegel is one exercise. It mm -hmm. was developed by this guy. I don't know. Was it John Kegel it's or something? A guy. Yeah. Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Step. That's the problem. No, I'm just kidding. Step one. Um, so it's like you do a 10 second hold and then release. And that's a Kegel. Mind blowing but, orgasms yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. If you just do it. your Kegel. Yeah. <laughs> while you're in line at the Starbucks. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so that's where I use the term pelvic floor exercise because there's so much more to it than just the one 10 second hold and release, which is what a Kegel is. Right. But many women are familiar with that term. The other important thing to note is a Kegel, many women do them wrong. So if you're feeling like, oh, I, I know that I'm weak and I want to build strength and you start trying and you're feeling like you're not having results, then you may be doing them wrong. And that's very common. Women are engaging other muscles in their butt, mm. yeah, in I their can tummy. My glutes and it yeah. feels kind of the same. Right. And your tummy and your thighs. So so when I get women, I, I watch to see how they can do it. And many of them are compensating with other muscles. So it's just like anything. If you're really strong in your glutes or in your abdominals, and every time you try to do a pelvic floor contraction, you overdo it with those muscles, then the ones that we want to train are never going to get trained properly. They're always going to be overtaken by by your butt or your your legs. Yeah. So you have to isolate the muscle. And when, many women don't have the awareness or know how to do that. Sure. So maybe it is just one quick you know, assessment to show you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's building strength. What was the second question? <laughs> oh, the second question was, um, when, when, Oh, do they know? When do you know that you should go in for an, for an assessment? Yeah. And, and I think that, that actually, that should happen before any of the exercises. And, and you, you sort of answered it. It was, mm -hmm. it was pain. It was incontinence. It was constipation. Yeah. Uh, high tone, low tone, either looseness or, uh, uh, like a heaviness, yeah. uh, in the vagina or in the pelvic area. Uh, if you think there's something wrong with yeah, your pelvic right. area. If there's something going on where you have any kind of pain in the abdominal area, you know, in the tailbone, uh, you're having symptoms of incontinence or a, a lot of voiding problems, like you're going pee all the time. Yeah. Uh, you have strong urges, urges to go pee all the time and like you can't make it to the washroom. Yeah. Those things, pain in any way, for sure, around the pelvis, sure. abdominal, intercourse pain, burning pain anywhere around the rectum, the vulva, the outside of the vagina, all that. If you have any, or if you're younger and trying to start inserting tampons and it's not really working or you need advice on how to relax and just, you know, like any of those times you have questions, concerns, you need to see somebody. Okay. And some women don't come until like they're, they're menopausal and that's when they start to find they have issues. Sure. So, I mean, preventatively, I think preventative care is amazing. We should really push for that. And I, I see it all the time with women that are older and they say, oh, if I will only have known this stuff before mm -hmm. I had my kids, you know, I could have just really prevented and, and done the right things. So I think the sooner the better, really, especially if you have questions, you're noticing a bit of dysfunction in terms of pain or weakness or incontinence or any of these symptoms, or you just have questions, 
You know, I have women come in that say, I've heard so much lately from my friends about this area. Teach me what's wrong with, you know, not what's wrong with me, but what do I, what can I do better? Yeah. Am I, you know, can you check my muscles? Yeah. And, and, and then we just go through an assessment and, and show them where they are and, and, um, give them tech, I give them techniques that I know they need. And sometimes there isn't any dysfunction. They have no incontinence, no pain, but it's like, well, actually your muscles are a bit tight. So what's beneficial for you is to learn how to release and just use them properly. Yeah. And then- you should be good, hopefully, until if there's anything, you come back. Well, I heard so, G- Gwyneth Paltrow just had her pelvic floor released, and so she wrote some articles about it. And so there, it yeah. brought a little bit. It brought a little bit of awareness to the issue. Yeah, I've, I haven't read up on some of her stuff, but I'm there's a few things I'm a little. I'm not sure about. <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad about the awareness, but I, I was she not talking about inserting like coffee and. Things in the vagina. I don't know. Should, as we, a not, cleansing mechanism? should we not be doing coffee, vag- no. vaginal coffee enemas? No. Okay. My gosh. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that again. I don't Totally either. not really my area, but I would think, you know, the, the vagina, women, it, it's it's got a natural pH. Okay. So your body is meant to have a certain, a little bit of bacteria, it's meant to have a a level of pH there. And anything you do with like scented products, douching, you know, heavy washing like that, it's, it's, it's messing with that natural mechanism. There's no need to put coffee in there to clean. (laughs) It cleans itself. It's crazy to me. So again, I don't know about Gwyneth, I'm sorry, but it's a very sensitive ecosystem, but it's an ecosystem and and it's like self, self self-regulating. Oh, as long goodness. as you don't put coffee in there, yes. it should Just be. Don't yeah, yeah. Stick anything in there. Okay. How other about than, other than yes. things that that are meant to be stuck right. in there? What about this? Is a yeah. perfect segue. The jade egg. Oh yes. Okay. Is that something that maybe could be beneficial? Well, it depends. Again, I don't tend to use any of those insertion products for strength. Right. Yeah. Women stick these things in again because the common thing is women have issues with tightness and they yeah. don't know it. And this makes it more so, tighter. Exactly. Yeah. The answer is you're learning. You're chronic. You're basically sticking it in and teaching a lady to just chronically squeeze around there the whole time. That's yeah. what women don't need. They need to learn how to functionally use the muscle to let it go and re-engage it when needed, not just to hold it. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, an example that I that I that I heard of it was like, think about constricting your bicep. Yeah. All day long. Totally. It doesn't make it stronger. Yeah. It actually it just makes it tighter and it actually makes yeah. it weaker. Yeah. And it gets really, it's really hard to undo it. Yeah. And, and I say that to my ladies all the time, especially ones with tightness. I, and I use the whole, like, what if you sat at your computer desk all day for 10 hours with your shoulders up to your ears? Okay. Yeah. And then at night you spend an hour trying to relax and release it all. Yeah. It, you forget it. Yeah. You've already wound the muscle up so tight all day yeah. and held it in that, you know, no matter what you do at night to bath and stretch, it's really not going to benefit. You need to do throughout the day. It's self-care. Yeah. And so these eggs, I mean, in some cases, I have women that are adamant, you know, to use these products. And as long as they're at a point where they're functioning very well with their pelvic floor, yeah. then I'm okay with it. And, you know, they'll use it for their functional activity throughout the day and keep it in. And I know that they're releasing well and they don't have dysfunction. It's okay. Yeah. But for the most most people out there, it's actually not that beneficial. Yeah. It can do more harm than good for sure. Yeah. I think it's because we're obsessed with tight Whatever. vaginas. Well, yeah. I mean. it's And that's, it's not, I mean, for any woman out there that has one that's really tight and painful would, would totally disagree. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's really not yeah. pleasant. It's, no. It's really difficult. It's yeah. very, very emotionally, physically, it's, it's not easy to deal with. So for women out there that are really striving for that, don't, 
don't just strive for natural and to be, you know, to not have pain and for things to be functioning properly Yeah, and just accept, yeah, accept who you are and yourself and, and, and yeah, try not to strive to be something else because sometimes it's not good. Your labia, yeah. your labias are perfect just That's the right. way they are. That's right. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Another thing to mention too is a big part of this area is the vulva care yeah. and just general care for a lady's vagina. And some some women have just never been told what they should be doing. Yeah. So in cases where women have pain or dysfunction, it's very important to follow these guidelines, especially with like a burning and a vulvodynia where the outside of the vagina is very sensitive. Yeah. But in general for women, here's some good tips. Try to avoid really tight, constricted clothing on there. So, I mean, if you're set on wearing a thong, maybe alternate and wear like a thong one day or for a little bit of the day and then change into something that's not so constricting uh, or tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, let let the vagina breathe a little bit. Um, so, so that's one. Uh, another is like no scented or soap scented things, you know, some sprays can be very, again, if you're somebody that doesn't have sensitivity, I guess, okay. But I, I just would try to avoid them in general. Ivory and, makes a no scented soap. Yeah, I guess if you really want, but in general, you don't even need to use soap to wash the vagina, just water. Oh, but I thought, yeah. okay, I thought we were talking about the vulva. Oh, the vulva. Yeah. But yeah, no, you don't even need just water. Yeah. But if you're really set on using a soap because that's just what you need, then you can do something unscented. Yeah. yeah. But no, no, uh, no perfumes, no sprays. And, uh, And then uh, moisture is another big thing. So women will think to moisturize the skin all the time and your arms, you get out of the shower or bath and you rub lotion on your skin, but we don't moisturize the the vagina. So the vagina needs some moisturization as well. Coconut oil? Yeah, coconut oil is okay. There's a a cream we use a lot, like an aquaphor. Yeah. And it's just bought at the pharmacy and just put a little bit along the vulva and the labia just to bring some moisture. And this is especially important for anybody with some pain and also with with, um, dryness. Uh, especially, you know, menopausal and, and any dryness with breastfeeding or things like that. Yeah. They need that needs the moisture. We need to moisturize the vulva. Yes. <laughs> I completely. Had no idea. I know. And many women have no idea, but I, it's amazing the difference. I mean, I don't think about moisturizing my penis at yeah. all. I mean, every now and then I'll throw some coconut oil on there because it's fun. But yeah. like yeah. it's just I don't think about that. Yeah. So why would women think about it? Yeah, that's right. We don't talk about moisturizing our genitals. No. But we do just with a nice product. That's just a you know you can buy some in the pharmacy. There's some other types, but but just a yeah. Those are those are fine to try. Basic, and, non-scented coconut yeah. oil, aquaphor, whatever. Yeah, and just no like you know inside douching and washing out. Like I said, the pH is supposed to be there. There's a little bit of bacteria that's healthy, and and you don't. That's going to make you more prone to infection and to offset the balance of the pH in the natural flora of the vagina. Drink your coffee. By doing that. Yes, that's right. Drink your coffee. Totally. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) At nighttime, I always recommend women don't sleep with underwear on. Yeah. It's really good to let your skin breathe. You've been in usually panties most of the day. I mean, depending, some people don't, but but, uh, at, at night, just nothing, whether it's a nightgown you wear or you go naked or you just wear a nice light pair of shorts or pants. PJs or something. PJs. No, yes. You need that. Your skin needs the break. Are yeah. you advocating for uh, going commando? Sure. Even during the d- the daytime? Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends. I mean, I have a lot of people that do and that's fine. It no depends on the cycle. Like some women with their natural yes. lubricants. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely times in a women's cycle. You might cycle have to launder where, your pants more. Well, or in those times you might need something and then there's times where, where you're okay. And I mean, I, I guess it just depends on how you wear your clothing. If you've got very... <clears throat> tight, which aren't good, but tight things on, it wouldn't be very comfortable with a jean, jeans right, in right, there. Denim. Yeah. But if you've got like exercise pants and you're just lounging around and Yoga not, pants. it's fine. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm a, I'm a proponent, so. Did we miss anything? Gosh. Hmm. Well, you were going to ask like how common these conditions are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really common. And again, that's just the lack of awareness. Yeah. So just so women know out there that... Um, you're not alone. You're not alone. You know, you're not alone. If you're experiencing any of these symptoms, it's not normal. And I think that's another thing that women come to me saying, like, I just thought it was normal. Yeah. I thought it was normal when I first tried to have sex that it would hurt a lot. I thought it was normal that once I had a baby for, for 10 months, I couldn't, you know, engage in intercourse after or that I was leaking urine. I thought that was normal now yeah. that I've had a baby. No, it's not. None of that's normal. And, um, and it's very common. So try to communicate with others. When, talk to your girlfriends talk about Talk to your it. girlfriends. When you learn about stuff, share information, raise awareness. Uh, and the other thing, you know, we didn't touch on is men. And and this was sort of women, women driven here just because that's more the clientele that I work with. But men that have listened or have any of these same issues, you know, women or pelvic floor physios treat men. Yeah. As well. So not me specifically right now in my practice, but there is physios that I work with at treatment and anything, you know, whether it's like sexual dysfunction, uh, painful intercourse, erectile dysfunction, yeah. you know, pre-ejaculation issues, um, you know, nighttime erection issues. Uh, you know, some men may have like uh, burning prostate, uh, incontinence, like incontinence, leaking urine issues, yeah. constipation, all the same things. Yeah. So this is all, all these issues are also treated for men as well. Yeah. So to well, keep that in mind, yeah. I'll bring, I'll bring a male, uh, pelvic floor specialist. Yeah. Next there's time. really not many. I think we have one, <laughs> maybe two in Canada. Are yeah. they in Montreal? You know what? There is one here. All right. All right. We got one here. And then I think there's one out in BC because I've had to look for a client one time. And so I think that's all coasts, I could find. Both coasts yeah. covered. Yeah. We got one on each. And I could be wrong, but that's, I, oh. I really, yeah, I don't think there's many. But a lot of men are, are pretty comfortable coming to women oh, for sure. the treatment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's nice to have, I'm sure, for some of the men to go to a male. But I'm in general, it seems to be that most men are comfortable um, coming for I'm sure for work. I yeah. mean, I mean, if you if you have an issue and mm -hmm. you're presented with a solution, I don't care who has the solution. Yeah, I want I want yeah. relief from my pain, basically. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, that's my number one goal always. Yeah. yeah. So if we're in Montreal yeah. and you're a woman yeah. and you uh, need an appointment or uh, diagnosis or evaluation, how yeah. can we find you? Yeah. So I'm at two different clinics, Capino's one of them in Dollard and okay. there's a website. So if okay. you can link that after, and, and then we'll also link all of this access med is, is another one that I'm at. So I'm at both those clinics and it's access med is in Kirkland. Okay. Okay. And if that's too far, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of other pelvic floor physios out there in, in all different areas. Uh, one of the best ways is to maybe call, call your local clinic. If you know, there's a physio clinic close yeah. and just ask if they have services for women's health or pelvic yeah. floor. And if they say no, they might know where the closest one is. Okay. Another way is you can go on the Canadian Physio Association and search for a physio. Yeah. And you put your region in and which area and, and you can find which where there's some women's health pelvic therapists. Yeah. And then also, um, and usually it'll divide it sometimes on the grid. It'll say if they treat men and women or just women, you can kind of go through. And then the other one is the um, order uh, OPPQ. And I, I, I think it's the order of professional physical therapy. It's the Quebec order of physical therapy. Okay. So if you Google OPPQ, again, they have a link on there where you can go find a physio and the kind of care you're looking for and then search for one. And so, yeah. And for my American listeners, just yeah. go to Google, type in Same. pelvic floor therapist, and then the city See, that you live in. Yeah. 
they would probably have um, AP American Physical Therapy Association, maybe APA. Yeah. I just, I'm um, sorry, I didn't even think about that. But I'm going to link to it. That's okay. Yeah, so you can link you to it. Know. And again, they should have the same. But yeah. again, probably the easiest is if you don't want to travel too far is to try and find your local clinic or yeah. something close to you. Ask them. And it's becoming more aware. People yeah. are becoming a little bit more aware of this. And and so most clinics are, especially a physio clinic, might have direction for you of, of where to call if they don't provide the service. Sure. So, yeah. But definitely, and, and you know, preventatively too, just if you're looking for for self-care and just suggestions on what you should be doing and, yeah. you know, um, specifically me, uh, birth preparation for women, just preventatively going through positions, talking about birth, you know, maybe you don't have any pregnancy pain, but maybe you're interested in, in what you can do to prepare for birth yeah. and and coming in for a session for that. So sometimes it not, it's not necessarily always that you have the issue, but all those things can also be discussed preventatively to talk about just self-care, care of the vagina, you know, positions for intercourse, the types of lubrication that you're looking for, anything like that. Um, Amazing. And pr- pr- yeah, pregnancy care, post uh, or birth care. Yeah. yeah. So all that Pre-imposed. stuff. Pre-imposed. Yeah. So again, sometimes you don't have an issue, but preventatively just getting a, an assessment to talk about these things, to know well, what to do. And yeah. that's that's step one. Step one is to talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it with your your girlfriends, your mom, yeah. anybody yeah. really, and you'll find out that you're not alone. Oh my goodness. Everyone will come up with something. Yeah. Do you have a parting thought? Hmm. Be comfortable in your own skin. Learn about your body and don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. And I think especially women, we just need to really get on that train of women helping other women. Yeah. Yeah. So when you feel alone and you feel like you're suffering and that there's pain and you didn't know there was help, there is help, especially in this area, reach out and you won't be disappointed. I really feel like in our area, we can provide so much information and help and it's life changing. And that's what's really amazing. So don't be afraid to to find the help. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being Thank on the you. show. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. The Love Drive is produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help of Guilford Street Studios, also known as my third floor walk-up in Montreal. You can find more information about me or The Love Drive by going to thelovedrive.com. And you can find more photos of my dog, Roger, on Instagram by searching for The Love Drive. If you want to know more about what we talked about in this episode, then check out the links in the show notes on my website or your podcast app. If you like the show, it would mean the world to me if you could go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. The more people like you that subscribe, the easier it'll be for new listeners to find the show. This means a lot to a small self-produced podcast like this one because I don't have the marketing or operating budget to compete against the larger podcasts. So if you like the show, then subscribe and tell a friend. Short of sending me cold hard cash in the mail, it's the most powerful thing you can do right now to help me out and it should take about 15 seconds. And please stick around. I have some great episodes coming your way.